Welcome to episode 208 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week we're doing something special for Veterans Day, which is happening this Friday. And what I wanted to do was do a reflection on what Veterans Day means to those who have served. So this week on the Women of the Military podcast, we don't just have one guest, we have four guests. And they are Jennifer Williams, Rachel Oswalt, Tina Green, and Tiffany Walker. These women veterans shared a little bit about their experience in the military, and they also shared what Veterans Day means to them. And with how I like to end all my podcast episodes, they also gave advice for the next generation of women considering military service. So let's dive in and get started with this week's episode. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you guys here. I'm really excited to talk about what Veterans Day means to you and just hear your guys' experiences. So let's start with introductions, and we'll start with Jennifer, and then we'll move down the line. Hi, I'm Jennifer Williams. I'm an Army veteran and retiree. I served for 22 and a half years before retiring in the fall of 2018. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. My name is Rachel Oswalt. I am a U.S. Navy veteran. I served six and a half years as an aviation electronics technician originally from the Midwest, and I am now the host of Your Story Doesn't End Here, the Military Mental Health Podcast. So thank you so much for having me as well. Good day, everyone. Tina Green, God-given name is Berthina Green. Thank my mama, Ruthie Mae, for that. I, of course, veteran. So I have a nonprofit that I'll be starting called Screaming With No Voice, which is aligned with my mission as a result of my military service. And thank you, Amanda, for having me. I appreciate it. Hello, this is Tiffany Walker from Cleveland, Ohio, and I am Air Force veteran post 9-11, and I am happy to be here today. I'm so excited to have you guys all here. I love that we have different branches and different service eras, and so we'll get a lot of different perspectives. I like to start all my interviews with why you decided to join the military, and because we're talking about Veterans Day and you have to join the military to be a veteran. I think that's a great place to start for this interview, even though we're not going to dive deeper into your military experience. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military? Initially, I joined the Army because I was trying to pay for school all on my own. My dream was to be um, a broadcaster beyond the radio. I wanted to be a radio host. I learned very quickly that it's really expensive to pay for school on your own, even if you're going to community college. So I worked for a semester and then I'd go to school for a semester and run out of money and was just having this vicious cycle. So when I literally ran into recruiters at the mall who asked me if I was going to sign up, they really knew how to to pull me in because I said, oh no, I'm, I'm going to school. I'm going to be a broadcaster. And they said, you could do that in the army. You could live overseas. And I thought, This must be one of those tricks you hear about. It just seemed so good to be true. Like I did four years, they would pay for college. I would get on the job training. I would get paid on top of it, which seemed like really exciting. And I just kept thinking, man, this is too good to be true. But I looked it up. It seemed legit. And so I I enlisted and showed up to basic training on Valentine's Day, 1996. So for me, I actually initially joined the delayed entry program for the Navy in 2012. My reasons for joining at that time were I was in a really toxic relationship and I was working multiple jobs and I knew that the lifestyle I was living wasn't sustainable. 
Fortunately, I wasn't in uh, the best situation financially on other aspects. I had owed some money to the school that I was going to. And so I found out that I wouldn't be able to enlist as an E2. I'd have to enlist as an E1. And we all know that E1s don't make a whole lot of money. So I'd actually be losing money joining the Navy. And so I ended up dropping out of the delayed entry program. And I was told at that time that if I left the delayed entry program, I would never be able to join the Navy again. I was okay with that. Two years later, the recruiter got a hold of me and was like, hey, we're doing this one-time thing. You have a chance to join the Navy again. We're allowing people that dropped out of the, the, the delayed entry program to rejoin. If you want to, you have this small window to decide. And so I'd actually just left that really toxic relationship. And I was just kind of in this place in my life where I was ready for a change. I was ready for something different. And so I actually ended up joining again. I wanted to be an air rescue swimmer. Didn't happen. I was really, really close to getting a contract, but I ended up joining as an aviation electronics technician. And the reason being just to kind of get out of Iowa to do something different with my life and to just change the trajectory of where my life was headed. How apropos is it that my entree into um, the military is so similar to both Jennifer and Rachel in a couple of aspects. So I embraced it at a very young age because I had two brothers that were in the military during Vietnam. My eldest brother, who came out as a master sergeant in the Air Force, just all of his tales, the ones that were not redacted that my mother could share with us. I just embraced the fact that I could travel and learn a new language and just have all of these experiences from meeting people and being out in the world. Well, I'm Richard Rachel. I was in the delayed enlistment program way back in 1978. And as a result of a lot of gang wars that we had here in Philadelphia at that time, think of Crips and Bloods, but it was even before Crips and Bloods. Okay. My mother said, you know what? You're getting out of town. You're getting out of town right now. And so I was supposed to go to my not Air Force base and be a radio operator. And I had my top secret, top secret clearance hours. Oh, gung ho for it. But coming out of the delayed enlistment program the way that I did, I had to take whatever job was available. So I became a law enforcement officer. They don't even call it LE anymore, as far as I know. It may be security police, I don't know. And I was shipped out to Dias Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas, as far from Philadelphia as possible. And okay, my knot was going to be as well, but I was going to be doing what I love, communication. And then here we get to Dias Air Force Base. I never heard of Abilene, Texas. So it was a shock to the system. Whole nother story for a whole nother time. But the other thing that I want to comment about, Jennifer, is that your tale of, of, oh, it's like a swami, right? You know, they fooled you with all of this stuff, magic and mirrors. And that reminded me of that old classic movie with Goldie Hawn called Private Benjamin. And, you know, I mean, it's, I still watch it today. It is just so funny because why is that still occurring? Why is that? still the thing to do, but it is what it is. And at the same time, as I acknowledge that, I still refer people to the military. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this is Tiffany and my entry into the Air Force was being the eldest of three girls, single mom household, didn't really have it financially, but also no plan. Uh, my uncles and great grandfather, they were all veterans, but there were no women. So that was another interesting fact. So I was about a C average student, not a bad student, but just, you know, barely getting by. And my mom, you know, she's like, well, you ain't gonna bring no, no babies up in here. So what's your plan? 
I was head cashier at a local barbecue mom and pop restaurant in the community. And we, she decided, you know, it was her idea. She said, well, we're just going to invite everybody over from each branch, talk to them, and hopefully we can decide from there. And Air Force just stuck. That seemed like the right um, decision that we both made. My job was three alpha. So um, information manager, that's where I got my technical entry to um, information technology, pretty much the jack of all trades. We did some, some, so much of everything. I loved hearing all of your guys' answers and how there were different pieces from each of your story that resonated together. It wasn't like you guys all had different experiences and all different different things that led you to the military, but they're still like resonating themes. And that's one of the things I love about the podcast is getting to hear the stories and how they resonate together. So let's shift a little bit in the future. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to you to celebrate Veterans Day? What does it mean to you as a veteran? What does Veterans Day mean to you? I guess service and Veterans Day means the same to me now as it did when I started, um, which is really about helping those service members, helping their families, really trying to help each other become the best versions of ourselves and finding ways to help each other reach our goals. Because, you know, you, you, you start the military, I think, with one goal, and then it kind of evolves into like, I just want to survive this goal. And then you get stronger and you have help and you realize, wow, when we all work together, like everyone's so much better. So, you know, while I was in the service, I worked really hard to get the people um, in my organizations to schools, promotion boards, preferred assignments, just doing whatever I could to help someone, not just professionally, but personally as well. And even in my last few assignments, I was able to open up volunteer positions within my organizations for family members so they could learn new skills, refine existing ones, you know, just have an opportunity to put something on a resume, especially because that was overseas my last four years in the service. Um, so to be able to help not just, you know, people in my organization, but their family members make the most of that time was really important to me. So I retired four years ago and I'm still kind of doing um, what I can, uh, you know, in this regard to help ease the challenge of military transition, because as challenging as it is to be a service member or the family of a service member, you know, I just think getting out is just as challenging, like the transition itself well, it's, you know, kind of, you know, it is by choice. Like you can choose when you can leave, right? For the most part. But there are a lot of things that you can't really plan for. And I planned for mine two years out. I thought I thought of everything. You just can't plan for life. And that's just kind of what happened for me. So, you know, since retirement, I've done what I can to help, help ease the challenges of military transition through the O2O program with the Daniel Ivy Meth and now with American Corporate Partners, which provides one-on-one mentorships for transitioning service members, veterans, and active duty military spouses. It's important to me to continue serving this, this community that has given so much and then tries to return to civilian life, but it's, you know, it's not that easy. And, you know, I can say for myself personally, because I did have a mentor through ACP and I waited, I waited a long time to, to start it. I don't know why, what kept me from reaching out sooner, but I can say that mentorship meant all the difference to me. Like it changed my, my military transition and made it a lot easier. And so that 
of something because I can personally speak to it, that I just try to spread the word and, and help everyone else and say, what can I do? How can I still help you professionally and personally be the best version of yourself and reach your goals? So for me, this is Rachel speaking. I think that Veterans Day is really just a reflection on what it means to serve in the military. I think as a civilian before I joined Veterans Day was just about, you know, you think about your Vietnam veterans, you think about your World War II veterans, you think about the people that physically went to a war and that's obviously still happening today. But and I can't even say we because as a society, I think there's a huge lack of awareness. But I think that having served myself and understanding what challenges actually encompass serving in the military, understanding that there's so many mental challenges, there's so many emotional challenges, and just recognizing that from a veteran's perspective and recognizing that people really struggle with this when they get out. That's really what Veterans Day means to me now. So Tina Green here, Philadelphia. What Veterans Day means to me today is a number of different things. It means recognition. It means citizenship. It means community. It means camaraderie. It means that I now have the opportunity to make what I call an even greater impact simply because I'm no longer just following orders. I'm oftentimes in the position to be the one creating the plan, delegating, delivering orders, making sure that whatever that community service project is, has met the goal. And, and everyone is operating in tandem with one another. Similar to an organization that actually linked me up here with Amanda, and that is The Mission Continues. Uh, and in their Women Veterans Leadership Program, they also have a platoon leader program, which I'm going to be looking into as well. So I think as a citizen now, a veteran of the military, it's a whole lot better than, um, than taking the orders. I mean, when you're taking the orders, there's no recourse. You, you do it or you don't, and then there are repercussions. But this is a, uh, I'm, I'm able to now be me, a little bit more of me and give more of me. And I'll, I'll just share this last comment. I was a veteran for so many years before I realized all the different free services that are available. So now the community that was our community in serving and protecting our nation um, is now giving back to us. And I'll be honest, the free food isn't, isn't bad either. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen to that. Tiffany here, what Veterans Day means to me. So I would say then in the past, as a child, that's my birthday. So 11-11. I just always knew we were out of school. You know, this this holiday, you know, something about the military. I don't know. We're, we don't have school. That's all the concern that I had. So I'm staying home. I will go from present to even in the future. Veterans Day is very symbolic. Being a veteran, I understand it now. Um, it's just it's not just a day. It's not just a day that we have off. This is a day to pay respect to those who have served, whether they're living or have passed on. 11-11, even the number is symbolic, it's an angelic. And a lot of people get it confused with Memorial Day. Memorial Day is to honor those who have passed on uh, versus Veterans Day. We're honoring those not only who have passed, but are still living. And my mom had always sowed a seed of altruism in me as a kid. So it's very special to me to know 
that I could still be of service in this special way. So it's, it's, it's very heartwarming for me at this time in my life. My birthday is near Veterans Day as well. And I kind of had a, not an understanding of what Veterans Day meant. And so for me, I really like to go to my kids' classrooms and go to different, like this year, I'm going to both of my, my fourth grader and my first grader's classrooms. And I worked with a teacher and I'm going to read uh, Captain Mama. It's a book by Graciela Toscanero Sato about being an Air Force navigator. And I really am excited to go because I feel like as a child, I didn't understand what Veterans Day was because it wasn't concrete. Like I didn't know anybody who had served. I didn't understand what it is. So that makes me really passionate to get into the classrooms and to talk to the kids and to tell them what Veterans Day is and let them see a veteran. And so your story really resonates with me because my birthday is also in November. And it's like kind of just kind of shows like as children how I didn't quite understand what it was, but I want people to know about my service and the people that I served with. And so that's one of the ways that I try and give back, which is also a theme. A bunch of you mentioned giving back and different organizations that are helping veterans. And you mentioned a bunch of good ones. So I'll link to all of them in the show notes so that people can find them. And so one of the things that is unique about all of our stories is that we are women in the military. And I just saw a post this morning on Facebook about how someone said women veterans are unicorns. It's like they're real or I can't remember what they said, but they're like, you don't know about them, but they really exist. And uh, and so being a woman who has served in the military, we face challenges in the military, and we also face challenges after we leave. So can you talk about what experiences you've had, positive or negative, after leaving the service as a veteran? Well, it's really taken me some time to actually kind of share my story. When I first left the service, I think I just wanted kind of like a break. Like, uh, I wanted to be a service member, and then I just wanted to just be civilian, I guess. And I had a lot of like conflicting feelings. Yeah, it was it was really hard for me to share my story. I wasn't very open. I know some people approached me afterwards and said, hey, you'd be great to speak at this. And I said, listen, I, don't, I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And I think a lot of it was because people just didn't recognize that I was a veteran because I, I guess I don't look the part, um, which is kind of interesting. and. So, so yeah, there was a few things. I, I didn't really want to talk about my service. I wanted to kind of focus on my future, which was being a civilian, but I didn't really know what that meant. I had some struggles where people just didn't recognize it. And I also had some challenges, you know, uh, on the way out. So all of those things combined, I didn't really want to talk about it. But now I feel like I, I kind of have to. I have to talk about my service. I have to talk about being a woman veteran. And I, I, you know, part of me wants it to not really be different, but it is, you know, and that's the truth of it. It is a little bit different. I have friends now who have daughters who are entering the service and I feel compelled to reach out and say, hey, some things are going to be tough and it's okay. In fact, you find out who you are when you are tested. When you go through hard things, you learn, oh my gosh, I can do hard things. I have a very strong heart and I can do this, right? So that's the one thing. The other thing I want to say is if things become challenging in a way that you don't feel 
you can manage on your own, please, please, please reach out to me. Please ask questions. Please tell me the things that you're afraid of. You know, like I just want to be there and I don't want people to ever be afraid to approach me. I don't ever want to be seen as unapproachable. I just want people to reach out and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. And, you know, when I first said I was going to join the army, my family was blown away, uh, could not believe it. My uncle, who had served as a um, JAG officer, actually tried to bring me to Fort Drum, New York, and talk to a few people. Uh, he felt if I, if I talked to someone, I might learn more about the service. Everyone kept telling me these great things, so I think it's planned backfired. But, like, looping it back around to mentorship, like, I think like he he scratched the surface on what I could have done, like connect with another woman who was in the service, find out, you know, some good practices, some good advice, see how it, you know, nested in with what I wanted to get out of it. And so I kind of feel like that's my role now. <laughs> if I'm going to help transitioning service members and their families, that also means family members who might be considering service. And what I can tell you, you know, Start now. If you're thinking about joining the service as a woman, find a female service member and start asking questions now. Because the more you know before going in, the better prepared you are to hit your goals. Yeah. And I have a woman of the military mentorship program that is geared to connect young women who are looking to join the military with women who have served. And so I'll link to that in the show notes. And then I also wrote a book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, which is a practical guide to help high school girls figure out if the military is right for them. It's not a join the military book. It's a figure out what's right for you. And it helps cover all those questions. So that is a great resource for anyone who's trying to help girls who are considering the military because it has so much information. I feel like I'm bragging about myself, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's that's what I've created. And I'm I'm really proud of it. And I I want it to get into the hands of young women who are considering the military. So, Rachel, can you share what uh, your experiences have been like? Yeah, and I was actually going to mention your book, too. So you beat me to it because I think it is a phenomenal resource for anyone who's looking to join. You know, for me, when I got out of the military, I had a plan and I actually just got out last year. So um, I had a plan to go to nursing school. And my plan fell to pieces because I was pregnant when I got out, didn't plan on being pregnant, didn't plan on COVID still being rampant in the world. And my school happened to be two hours away. Clinicals were 12 hours long on a Saturday. I was almost in my third trimester. Just there are too many things working against me for nursing school to work. And I didn't have a plan B. It kind of it presented its own unique set of challenges for me when I got out. I really thought that having a 60 day terminal leave period would give me that time to really transition smoothly and the time to just really decompress. But what I found is that even in that terminal leave period, I still mentally knew that I was in the military. And so I wasn't really decompressing. And so when I actually officially got out, you know, I knew it was my last day. I knew that I was never going to put on that uniform again. And that was it. It's like I went through this two to three week period where I just did nothing. And I actually hear this commonality between quite a few newer events that I talk to is that, you know, there's two to three weeks. And I now tell people, take that time to decompress. Like you deserve it. You worked your butt off for years and years. And like, just take the time to 
transition. And I, I think the mindset piece is something that a lot of people don't talk about because we spend so long, even if it's just four years, four years is a long part of our lives. Four years and every day you have a mindset geared towards the military. And now it's like, as a veteran, shifting my mindset towards being a civilian, but it's like, it's like Jennifer said, like, what does that mean being a civilian, right? Like I was a civilian for, you know, I, I joined the military in my early twenties, so I wasn't straight out of high school, but you know, things are different after you spent a period of time, not only in a different area, a different state around different people. I know different things now than I knew back then. And so for me, it, it was just really figuring out what's going to be the next step for me. Um, I did go through a, a period of time where I just felt really lost. I felt very directionless. And I personally hate to feel like that. I'm a very goal-oriented person. Uh, on the flip side of things, you know, being a woman specifically, I mean, I live in a military town still. I live right next to the base that I served at. And my husband has never served in the military day in his life, but people still ask, oh, is he the one that served? People will thank him for his service. And like, I try not to let it bother me, but I, I would be lying if I said that there's times that that it doesn't bother me when, you know, someone's looking at him directly because he's got the beard. He He looks like a veteran, right? I don't look like a veteran. And the nice thing about living in a military town is that a lot more people are understanding that women are veterans, but you still have those people, unfortunately, even today that think that women shouldn't be serving in the military. And so, I mean, that's a whole other story that we could spend probably hours talking about, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's still challenges that, that women face as veterans just for being women, unfortunately. But then on top of that, the, the normal challenges that that's faced of just getting out, transitioning, and you know, finding that support system, finding where we fit in into society now. That's a completely different society that we left when we joined the militaries. So on the base level, if you will, as a veteran, if you remember a few minutes ago, I talked about recognition. So on the base level of, of being a veteran, it's a little bit off-putting when you walk into the VA hospital. And if you happen to be with a man, they assume the man who served and not you. Or if you're by yourself, they assume you're looking for a male who has served and that you're not there for service. Now, although it's negative, the positive side of that is from a recognition standpoint, once I state that I am the person that served my country, then they do turn around and say, well, thank you for your service. That has taken years for me to be able to say, you're welcome, it was my pleasure. I mean, there was that transition where I said nothing. And then there was that transition of uncomfortable silence when they would say it to me. And I almost would look as if maybe they weren't talking to me because usually they expect you to be a male, but it's become more and more positive. And I had a 360 degree full circle moment last year when I crossed with Lambda Beta Alpha Military Sorority Incorporated, founded in November, November 10th to be exact, 2017. And similar to a point that Jennifer and, and both you, Amanda, have talked about, one aspect of LBA is that they established another organization under the umbrella of LBA called the Orchids of Lambda, which is specifically for female members who have either a 
current relative or a distant relative who has served. And then also more importantly, these female members 18 and over have decided that they want to serve as well. So LBA then mentors to them, providing that openness about what it, what it means to serve in the military as a female. So there's no more of the little blinders on where, you know, you catch a little bit of the vision and, and then it's shut. And, and so you're left thinking, why did I come in here? I didn't, I thought it was for women. It's, it's not really for women. So I, I appreciate that, um, that affiliation. And I didn't even know there were military sororities and fraternities. And, and still today, when I was at the leadership conference a couple of weekends ago, a lot of those seasoned military veterans also didn't even know still. So there needs to be more awareness of that coming out. But the recognition is still a prominent aspect for me. And then the very last thing that I'll state is that we may not have a lot of movies, theater, whatever you want to call it, portraying women in the military like we do for men. You can name any movie. You know, um, a lot of a lot of women embraced hidden figures because although it wasn't about women in the military, it was about a black woman who was alongside other members who were making a change and a difference. Um, so I think we need to see more female representation. There's not a documentary, more that's not a documentary. I mean, I appreciate the documentaries, but to have that female perspective and to have the world see that women do serve and do so quite admirably, that, that I think is something that we still need to advance in and it would be good. Couldn't agree more. Well said. What the military means to me, um, it means so many things. I'll give you the, the standard of honor, pride, and that key word service. I, I just love that word service because I was serving and not even knowing it being, you know, with my younger self. And now I've come to realize that is my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to serve. So not knowing that that was what I was doing all along, I would always get jealous of people knowing their, their purpose in life. Like, how do you know that? And then they would always say, oh, you know, things like whatever you would do uh, for free, you know, things like that. When you wake up in the morning, do you sleep, eat and breathe your purpose. And that's when I found out, okay, I've been doing this all along. So the military to me, definitely service, getting a chance to serve others. I love it. And I remember wanting to travel home. It, it meant target at one point. I wanted to wear my uh, fatigue, you know, battered dress uniforms. And that was a no, no at that time, because you were a target on that airplane. So it may, it also means uh, one of the core values in the Air Force is service before self. Having a young daughter, the service came first. And I didn't like that at all. Um, I didn't understand it. My baby to me, you know, came first. And I didn't know how to, how to understand that. It took me a while. Even to this day, I struggle with that because I had to put the military first. And she had to come second in, in some ways. Lastly, it also means to me, being able to be an example of great leadership on job applications. I would put that I served and they take that very, they don't take that light. It's like, wow, you would really probably get hired before anyone else because you have served. And they look at that as something very important. Um, they have, veterans have a skill set that you can't get anywhere else. 
yeah, that's what the military means to me. Thank you everyone for sharing about your experiences. And I, I just love the theme of service and giving back and like how that all touches our lives today after leaving the military and how we just want to help the next generation and those who have served. And so switching to the next generation, I always like to end my podcast interviews with what advice would you give to young women who are considering military service? So let's end the interview with that question. My advice is to ask all of your questions. Like, don't hold back. If you can find a service member, preferably female, um, if you are a woman, ask all of your questions. Make sure you answer. You you ask all of them. I think sometimes people hold back because they're afraid to ask their burning questions. If you have someone's ear, you you have all of their attention. So please don't be afraid to ask away. Uh, the military has so many opportunities, so it's it's important to explore those opportunities. And see how those opportunities match with your why. If you're joining the military, you have to have a why. You should really know what it is and find out how the military can enhance that. So that when you do leave, because everyone leaves at some point, right? You have to, when you come in at some point, you have to come out. uh, Make sure that it also aligns with, you know, goals for post-service. And that would be my best advice. This is Rachel. I would say a couple things. So... Prior to joining, I would say know everything you can about the military, not only the good, but also the bad. And the reason I say that is because the more that you can prepare yourself for everything, the more confident you're going to feel going in. It doesn't mean that the bad stuff is going to happen to you, but understandably, just like everything else in life, there are challenges. And if you can know ahead of time what those challenges might be, you can better prepare yourself to handle those challenges as they come up. So that's that's before joining. While joining, I would say, you know, take advantage of everything you can. Always go above and beyond and know that not everyone around you is always going to go above and beyond. You know, I had advice from an instructor when I was in that who he told me this. He said, you know, once you get qualified in your area, go qualify in other areas. Not everyone's going to be doing that, but it will make you stand out. And not only for the purposes of standing out, but for your own personal pride and accomplishment, knowing that you did something that maybe no one else did. It's it's going to mean a lot for your own personal self-esteem to know that you put everything in and you gave it your all. And then I would say from a transitioning perspective later on, to never let your job become who you are. You know, every single woman on this panel today, we served in the military and we're, we're now veterans, but we understand that while we serve in that position, it's not us, we're still us individually. And some people can let the military really embody them to the point that they do feel lost when they get out. And so always making sure you're taking care of you while you're serving, And understand that, yes, the military, it's a very big part of who you are, but it is not 100% who you are. Thank you both, Jennifer and Rachel. Such outstanding advice for women considering the military. Being the mother of four, two girls, two boys, I always approach everything from a functional perspective. I build a spreadsheet. I put all the data in it. And when the balance starts to shift one more than the other, then we're going to begin to look at that as the path. 
So I would always encourage any young woman considering life in the military to do your research. Do your research for other women that have served in the military, what their path was to leadership, what their job classification was and how they made it work for them. Determine what they want their path to be to leadership to the best of their ability based on what they know at that point in time. And then be prepared to have all of their current standards and values basically reset, not necessarily for the bad, could be for the good. But you go in one way as an individual and then you become part of a team and then hopefully you become one unit. And and that should be the goal. And then just as Jennifer and and some of what Rachel said as well, identify what service looks like to you pre, during, and most importantly, post-service. So where do they see themselves landing after it has all been one and done? A friend of mine just uh, came out as command sergeant major. Outstanding career. Not everyone gets that. So what if you don't become E8, E9? Where do you see yourself landing? And how will you make that work for you in the rest of your life? Amazing. I would say for me, you know, I'm nosy. So I want to know why. Why do you want to make this move? And then I would want to know, is this a job? Do you want to treat this as a job, which is fine? Or do you want it to be a career, which is fine also? For me at the time, it was a job. And even though there were aspects to it that I could have made a career, um, it just didn't work out. So I would just want to know, is it a job or is it a career for you? And then prepare as such. If you want it to be a career, treat it as such. Learn and um, absorb the knowledge and the resources that will allow you to stay 15, 20, 30 years. I speak for the the people in the inner city, if most times it's for financial, that's okay. Get in there, do what you need to do to get the financial assistance that you or your family may need and get out if that's what you want to do. You have options. And that would be my advice. Get a mentor, figure out what whether you want it to be a job or a career, treat it as such. And it's okay. You know, if you want to serve your 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 one trial, your four years or your two years, that's fine. You want to get out and do something else. It's okay. So that would be my advice. I love that. Thank you so much. You guys all have given such good advice and you've been so open and sharing about the experience of joining the military and some of the challenges you face with like transition and just being a veteran and what it means to you. So I'm really glad we got to do this interview. I'm just so thankful that we got to do this. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's interview. I'm really thankful that you took the time to listen to this episode, and I wanted to tell you about two resources that may help you in your journey of military service. And so the first is my new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, which is available at the link in the show notes on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. You can go check it out. It's A Girl's Guide to Military Service. It's meant to help you answer all your questions about military life and give you a firm foundation for the start of your career. And if you're looking for mentorship or want to be a mentor, please check out the Women of the Military Mentorship Program, which is also linked to in the show notes. You can sign up to be a mentee or a mentor. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.